the NIV version of the beginning of the epistle, John's epistle, first epistle reads, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. And John's not alone in this proclamation of our true identity. For Paul in his letter to the Romans puts it this way, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters of God. And in his letter to Galatians, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons and daughters of God through faith. God sent forth his son to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. And in John's gospel, but to all who received him, that is Christ, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. If children, then we have a true father. We have a heavenly Father. We are children of the one Father. Some people have difficulty believing in a good Father because their own fathers were so very flawed. Perhaps they were verbally or physically abusive or distant or they just plain got up and left. Even good Human fathers fall very far short of the love of our heavenly Father, of the Father. His love is not dependent on who we are, what we look like, what our accomplishments are, what we provide in anything we do. His love is lavished on us, lavished on us, just because He created us and delights in us. Sometimes we have those subconscious tapes running that we have to do things, that we have to do ministry, that we have to be active in ministry, that there's something that we must do to make God love us more. That's the lie of the enemy. We're not valuable to God because of what we do do we're valuable to God and loved by him for who we are by merely being a human being God lavishes his fatherly love on us I think the team that went out had some of those unconscious tapes going maybe not to earn the Father's love, but that we needed to go on a mission trip to be doing something, to be helping somehow or other. And there was some frustration building, certainly I own to that before going, because we didn't have a schedule. We didn't know what we were going to do when we got there. And those of you who know me, I like my schedules. I like the timing just right, and I like to know exactly what I'm doing, when I'm doing it. And then I can turn, you know, I've got some flexibility in there. Give me a schedule, please. And we didn't have it. 
we didn't have it. We kept asking, well, what, what are we going to do? What are we going to paint? Where are we going to go? What are we going to hammer a nail? Or where do we have to meet with people? Um, you know, Dee Dee was thinking maybe she was going to be going because previously a counselor had been needed to counsel with the, with the teachers there. So we arrived there. And we had um, a meeting, an amazing meeting. We kind of arrived um, and were just told, you know, go and, and be with the kids. And then uh, we met, and then we went to, we went to church. Um, it was a, a glorious service, all in Spanish, of course. And uh, so we tried to sing along in Spanish and follow along in Spanish. And I was invited up to... Uh, to pass it well to um, to communicate people with the host, so I was rapidly going in my prayer book in Spanish to figure out what the words were to communicate people. And I got up there, and the deacon said, it, "It's because I'm kind of mumbling out the words, and I'm about you know three people down the line. I've got to the second word in the words of administration." And she said, "It's okay. You can say it in English if you want." So. Well, it was it was it was a glorious morning worshiping with them, and there were drums, Paddy. <laughs> so, uh, but um, but anyway, and, and then we got there, and, and the next day we had a wonderful meeting with the directress of El Hogar, and she just was filled with the Holy Spirit. Just it exuded from her. Her love for these children was palpable. And it's called El Hogar de Amor y Esperanza, the home of love and hope. And it is truly a place where God's Holy Spirit abides to give the least of these love and hope in the Lord. And she said, what we want you to do is to be with the children. not so much even for the children although partly for the children you'll be changed by the children you will leave here changed by the children and that was true we we did do a painting project um the men mostly did i think that was only so that we felt that we'd accomplished something in our doing although the art teacher was very happy uh, that we did that. But in the course of this introduction by the directress, Claudia, she brought in one little boy whose whose name was René Gabriel. I think he'd been there a couple of years, and he told his story. He said, my mother really couldn't look after us. She had some mental problems. Father, who knows where he was, never known. And so what René Gabriel had done was he would go out and walk over the garbage heaps outside of the town and pick up plastic bottles and sell them so that he could get some money to feed himself, his sibling, and his mother. He had never been able to go to school because every time it got close to time to pay for where they were, his mother would up and leave because she couldn't pay it. So he never went to school. This little boy had so much radiant joy in his face, 
in his demeanor, in his whole being, he said, I know that I was brought here by God the Father. My heavenly Father rescued me from the garbage heaps, and now I have hope. Now I have a hope and a future. And I want to be a fireman and do proud to my country. They don't have much. They don't have much in when you compare it to to us in the West. They have very basic things at El Hogar. But he was radiant in joy of the Lord. Then she had a little boy and his two sisters come in. His face was just like a mask. His eyes were dead. The little girl's eyes were dead. There was nothing there. He didn't know how to smile. He'd been there for two, maybe three weeks. A similar situation. Mother completely incapable of looking after her children. And so he had looked after his two little sisters. He was the same age as René Gabriel, but because of malnutrition, he looked like he was about nine or ten years old. He was a small boy, but he was always looking over to see if his sisters were okay. At that young age, he was the one who was providing for the two of them. And in the classrooms, he'd always sit himself next to them. You see, he'd never had any schooling. He'd never known how to play. He had so many responsibilities as a little boy. He'd never been a little boy. He'd never played. He took all of the weight of the world on his shoulders to look after his little sisters And so we sat down, Didi and I went and traveled around several of the classrooms. The first great classroom we went into, uh, Juan Pablo was his name, Juan Pablo and his sister Heidi and uh, Maria, the little one. They were all in first grade together because they'd never learned how to form their letters. They'd never learned how to recognize when they went uno, dos, tres, cuatro, what a cuatro looked like. They didn't know. And so the teacher said, will you sit and help them count out the bees on the page, how many? But he was always looking out for his younger sisters. And Claudia said, come back a year from now. He will know how to smile. And there will be a difference in his eyes. Because this place is a place of love, the love of the Father, and of hope. So the team just, we wanted more than anything to see this little boy smile. With the same radiance, these children just go around and They are laughing and they are smiling. They have lived on dirt floors, most of them. Some of them are completely orphaned. Some of them, their parents are in such dire straits, they have no money that they've come knocking at the door of El Hogar. Will you please take my child? 
I have no food for them. They're sharing a bed with siblings. And yet in here, there's very basic. There are water cisterns that run out of water. Ours ran out of water while we were there. We got up to take a shower in the morning, which were three-minute showers, because any more than that, and the water cistern had no more water in it. Well, we hadn't taken long showers, but apparently somewhere or other, somewhere on the campus, a tap had been left open. So there we were, waking up in the morning, and no water, no water to flush the toilet, no water to do anything. And, of course, you can't use the tap water to drink out of because you get a very funny tummy so we'd go and we get drinking water now it doesn't seem to affect the kids these kids brush their teeth after every single meal and so toothbrushes are something that they always need they'd have uh, somebody was the guardian of the toothbrushes and they'd have a mug with toothbrushes and the children would pull out a toothbrush so yes they'd share toothbrushes because nobody knew whose was whose toothbrush they'd just pull it out and they'd all stand line up at the water fountain and brush their teeth they all looked so good even though much of their clothing was second hand it was so much better than what they had ever had and they wore uniforms to school starch white no air conditioning holes in all of the classrooms heat in the classrooms and they lived in dormitories with concrete floors but they were concrete and not dirt and they slept on bunk beds metal bunk beds with um, pallet kind of mattresses but they had their own bed they had their own space and they each had their own little toy stuffed animal in their beds and they were so happy because three meals a day were guaranteed to them but the three meals and we ate exactly what the children ate not a lot of protein not a lot of meat protein Rice and beans, rice and beans and plantains, pancakes. We had pancakes for supper the last night we were there. Rice, beans and tortillas. And maybe sometimes a little small piece of chicken from the agricultural farm that's part of the projects. And yet they were radiant with joy. They had so much less than we're used to. And yet they were joy-filled they would run around they would come up and give us hugs and so we were told this is what you are to do here you're to be with the children and we would play games we were kind of scheduled every evening after supper we'd spend about an hour and a half sometimes two hours with each of the dormitories so the dormitory would come down um, of course, you're, anybody who's taught would know that um, it was so much easier to deal with the girls' dormitory uh, than it was with any of the boys' dormitories. They were all over the place. Uh, we played balloon broom relay. We played elbow tag. And, um, of course, the girls just wanted to color and, um, and we played the rainbow um, ball game with wool. And that forms kind of, they sit in a circle and we throw it to each other and it forms a web. And we say we're all knit together in the one body of Christ. And then we cut it up and made yarn bracelets to say we're all part of this one family. All brothers and sisters of the one 
Heavenly Father. When we got to the class, the dormitory, where Juan Pablo and Rene Gabriel were in, we played the games, and then we said, let's make paper airplanes. Well, we thought we were going to be teaching the kids how to make paper airplanes. Um, They knew how to make really good paper airplanes that did loops. I mean, they were amazing, except Juan Pablo. He just, he he had no idea, because he'd never played. He'd never been a little boy. And um, uh, I think Dee Dee tried to show him how to make a plane. Our planes were not that good. And, and finally, I went up to Rene Gabriel and I asked him, would you show Juan Pablo how to make an airplane? Oh, yes, yes, of course. So he went over and I looked over and there he is very carefully, one step at a time, showing this little boy who had been like him two years earlier how to make a paper airplane. And the first time Juan Pablo threw that plane, there was the beginning of a smile on his face. He was beginning to be able to be a little boy. See, we have so much more than that. And our joy has been dulled. They are quite clearly, they know quite clearly. Even though their fathers have left, their earthly fathers have left, they know quite clearly that they have a heavenly father who is looking after them. That his love is freely given. They have nothing to give him. They have nothing that they can do to earn his love. They don't even try. They just receive the love the Father has lavished on them. And in that love, they are radiantly joyful. We try to do so much. You know, all the Father wants from us is not our human doing, but our human being. He wants us to rest back in his love, not to try and grasp it, not to try and earn it. Yes, it's good to do ministry, but for what reason? Because of the love that we've received. And what's our work like? What is our work like when it's given like that? Because we've received the lavish love of our Heavenly Father, it looks to him like that badly colored sheet of paper that a child might draw for his earthly father and says, I love you. Doesn't every parent delight in those silly drawings? It's so much more precious than anything else they could possibly make. We hang it up on the refrigerator. It's colored outside the lines. It doesn't matter. It's done with love. It says, I love you, Daddy. That's what our Heavenly Father wants. And he'll put those drawings up on the refrigerator. I love you, Daddy. Because of the love we've received. We do these funny drawings 
I love you, Daddy. And his heart is filled with love. So what is it, this relationship between child and father? If we look to our earthly fathers, even good fathers, we've received their DNA, haven't we? Sometimes we have the characteristics, the physical traits, even sometimes the emotional traits, sometimes the tick or the way of doing something. But we've received the spiritual DNA of our Heavenly Father. Scripture is quite clear. We're made in the image of God. That doesn't mean that we have physical traits of the Father, but we've been made spiritually in the image of God. That's been tarnished, but it's still there. We've been created by God who is Father. Human fathers love their children. Sometimes they love their children better. Sometimes they don't love their children well at all. But even good human fathers' love pales in comparison to our Heavenly Father's love for us. It is infinitesimally small compared to the love the Father, our Heavenly Father, lavishes on us. His love is unconditional, unwavering, unfailing. And it is not at all dependent on what we do, what we have, what we give. It is only because he's created us in love as his children. Good human fathers will protect their children, sometimes even at the cost of their own lives. Our heavenly father made the ultimate sacrifice for each and every one of us so that we could come home, so that he could take us from the garbage heaps of life and bring us into a home of love and hope. Children trust their human fathers. Don't you remember trusting your daddy with everything when you were little? I trust him. Some maybe more than others. Our Heavenly Father, we can trust. Even if we were unable to trust our human fathers, our Heavenly Father will not let us down. We can trust Him for protection. Our greatest security comes through realizing that our identity as God's dearly loved children doesn't depend on our activities doesn't depend on any of our doing, but only on his grace. And John in his epistle says we are God's children now. Through Christ, through the sonship of Christ, through our incorporation into Christ, through his redeeming work on the cross and his beating out of death, we are God's children now. But what we will be has not yet been revealed. We are, says Paul, being transformed internally. Our spiritual beings, that image of God that is inside of us, is being expanded out from one degree of glory to another. 
dependent on how fully we are in. Are we fully in? Have we let go of everything else that we grab onto, thinking that this or that or doing this or that will get us somewhere? Are we like children? Are we like the children of El-Hogar who are just know that they have nothing to give and that they receive with so much joy. Jesus says, you're to be like children. To be like children of the Father, transformed more and more into the image of the Son and into God himself. There's an old poem some teachers might know. It goes like this. He came to my desk with quivering lips. The lesson was done. Dear teacher, I want a new, t- new sheet, he said. I spoiled this one. I took the old sheet, stained and blotted, and gave him a new one, all unspotted, and into his sad eyes smiled. Do better now, my child. I came to God with a quivering soul, The old life was done. Dear Father, have you a new life for me? I spoiled this one. He took the old life, stained and blotted, and gave me a new one, all unspotted. And into my sad heart smiled. Do better now, my child. Like the children of El-Hogar, we have been brought out of the garbage heaps of life. Given a new identity, a new future, may our joy be like theirs. May our faces reflect the same radiance in the knowledge that God is truly the Father who loves us. The Father who protects us. The Father in whom we can trust all our days. Amen.